Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Over the next two episodes, you're going to hear fascinating insights and stories from DJs like Annie Mack, The Blessed Madonna, Girls Don't Sink, and so many more. Please be aware that episode one contains a conversation about sexual assault. Last year, I filmed my debut Boiler Room. It was an amazing experience. Hey, God, Nick, so good, Jagger. Just found out easily, it's actually a real name as well. Legend, thought it was a stage name. Here we go. I was so pleased with the set and it was just such a career milestone. I felt like I smashed it. I was literally on top of the world. And for once in my life, I felt really confident and validated as a DJ. You probably don't know this, but I struggle massively with my confidence and I really need these moments as a reminder that I can do this job. Anyways, it was the middle of the summer. I just joined my friends to go and enjoy the rest of the day at Fly and we were at Elka's set. The vibes were incredible. When this guy comes up to me and asks, Are you the social media girl? The social media girl? What, because I'm dressed up in my little purple dress and I feel fabulous? I just DJ'd in front of hundreds of people for my first ever boiler room. As you can imagine, I was very upset. Another one for you. Recently, I was DJing back to back with a male DJ and the DJ playing afterwards came over. I was a big fan of this DJ and really excited to say hello for the first time. He came over, gave the other DJ a massive hug and just completely blanked me when he put his USB in. I've never handed over to the next DJ like this. I felt invisible. It was actually really embarrassing because I'd been like, hey, and then he just didn't even look at me, let alone say hello. And even though I was literally playing the final tune, my USB was still in the decks. And even when I took my USB out, he still ignored me. Both of those situations really stung, but there are so many other stories I could tell you of times where I felt belittled as the only woman in the DJ booth. So last year, when I realized that there were no official stats about gender in dance music, I decided to do my own. In August, I put out a report from the Jaguar Foundation and the Sony Music UK Social Justice Fund called Progressing Gender Representation in UK Dance Music. During this documentary, you're going to hear from a range of DJs as we explore the realities of being a woman, trans and non-binary artist in dance music. If you're not saying something about this, there's no fencing. I think if you feel like you're, I'm in an R in, then what you're doing is you're just enabling. While I was DJing, he put, tried to put his hand down my pants. They think that they're actually mm. giving you a compliment. But just the very fact that you are saying this means we have a problem. Mm. My name is Jaguar. Welcome to Utopia Talks. Back in August, when I released the report, I was overwhelmed by the amount of people who reached out to me. A lot of the responses were really positive, which was amazing to see. And people like Annie Mack and the Blessed Madonna were sharing it. And we even made the national news. 
That's Jaguar, BBC Radio 1 dance DJ, broadcaster and journalist. She commissioned that report. Only 5% of dance music in the UK charts has a female as lead artist. And there's also evidence of widespread sexual harassment in the industry. You do just feel like unwelcome and you feel like you can't really reach your true potential. And I think having people around you that you can relate to that look like you makes you feel like, oh, maybe I can try that out. Now moving on. And intimidation and sexualization is still a huge problem for female and non-binary DJs, that's according to a new report. The report was spreading further than just the dance music community. But some of the responses were less positive. Now, these are some of the actual comments I received posted by men. You live in the most free country in the world. Stop crying. You're not a victim. So bored of the wokeness. This is just trying to shove inclusivity down our throats. There's way more female DJs since the sync button was invented by Pioneer. You see a lot of female DJs shaking their asses and dressed as if they're at a fashion show. Women of today are like children who won't stop complaining no matter what they get. One man took the abuse so far that I actually had to block him. Then he messaged me from a new account the next day once he'd actually bothered to read the report, which, by the way, I sent to everyone and replied to everyone, linking them to the Jaguar Foundation website. He apologised and he said that now he wants to be an ally and help. This is incredible. It shows that the report works. And at the end of the day, this is all about having a conversation and opening people's minds to other points of view. Amongst all of the social media noise, there was one message that stopped me in my tracks. On the 3rd of August, while I was on my way home from discussing the report on Women's Hour, I received a DM. Hey, so I just wanted to drop a message to say that I saw Lish speaking on your show about obviously being a female DJ and the issues that we face and it's really sick that you're highlighting these issues. I just wanted to drop a DM because I feel like we all sort of have stories about not being believed that we were the DJ and this and that but I don't know if you actually know what happened but in April me and Gracie T, so two queer DJs, one non-binary, one femme, we were actually assaulted on stage in front of a thousand people and nobody believed us so i just thought like if you ever um had space for someone to sort of tell a story and raise awareness i sort of feel like nobody ever talks about sort of taking on the music industry and really like being excluded while taking it on because while it happened um it was very much like a lot of people were protecting him and stuff like that and it was just really brutal. I think people sort of turned a blind eye because the guy is so known. But I thought like, you know what, that's sort of an important story to share and it's an experience and it might not be a solo experience. So I thought I'd just DM. The voice you just heard belongs to Priya. If you don't know Priya, she's a DJ whose high energy selections have been making waves across London and beyond. In November, she delivered a contagious set as part of MIA's Boiler Room lineup. Stepping up for her Boiler Room debut set. Make some noise for DJ Priya! And she was also part of Mix Mag's South Asian Showcase. I've asked four of my favourite DJs from London who are all South Asian to come and play a quick fire 30 minute set 
each. To kick things off, we've got the incredible DJ Priya. She's part of the Daytimers crew. Give it up for DJ Priya. Basically, she's a young DJ who's been absolutely killing it. Her voice note brought the safety issues raised in the report to life. And I felt a duty to do something to help her. I knew I had to offer Priya a platform to speak about what happened that day and how it affected her. I'm Priya, my pronouns are she, her. I've been in the music industry for about four years now and I'm a DJ. Can you tell us about the incident that you referred to in your voice note, in your own words? Yeah, so um, I was actually booked to close a festival stage. Me and Gracie T were going back to back and it came out that this person was going to be playing before us and they're quite known for having quite a rowdy crowd and also being with loads of people on stage. So we had flagged our concerns just being like, okay, by the time we get on, can we have sort of additional security to just clear the space and allow us a safe space to work, basically? And can somebody get on the mic and say, um, can all women, non-binary trans people please take a step forward? Because, you know, that is, that's who we play for. That is mm. our crowd. And um, yeah, so this person overran and we asked for our set, asked to start our set. It was myself, Gracie and one of the other acts. But yeah, went to start the set five minutes late and... This person's partner, who was actually working the safe space as well, got on stage and just verbally threatened us and was just being really, really horrible, throwing things like, after all he's done for you, do you know who he is, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, when you're about to play to hundreds and hundreds of people, that's not what you want to hear, especially because we've been at the festival since half two. So why are we starting our set late? You know, it's nine o'clock, let us play. But yeah, in the kind of middle of all of that, um, the guy ended up getting back on the platform and I ended up being assaulted, long story short. And that was really awful. I was left to open the set on my own in tears because Gracie was actually having a panic attack. And, you know, we, we were so hyped for this. We had we had money notes with our face printed on it, money guns. We had so many things that, you know, it was going to be sick. This was going to be our sack. And, you know, it was just, it was, yeah, really, really heartbreaking. But that is the gist of what happened. Um, and, you know, I, I went into playing this festival and this stage and even this venue for the first time. And I just assumed I could go in with my guard down. And it's been a real lesson because I will never do that again. I will always make sure nothing can ever happen to me like that again, basically. Well, I mean, first of all, thank you for sharing your story with us. Um, it makes me sad that you're like, I'm never going to go in without my guard down. Like that, that kind of breaks my heart a little bit. But after, after this incident, right, just to take you back there for a second, like what happened afterwards when you this has happened, you finished your set? Like, did you... How did you let people know that this happened? Do you feel like you could let people know? I mean, to be completely honest, when it happened, I wanted to get on the mic and be like, I am not playing. I've just been attacked on stage. But, you know, as I think women, we're kind of told, nah, like, don't overreact. Keep it calm. Keep it cool. Me and Gracie were both professionals in what we do. So we just kept it moving. But we let the stage manager know something has happened and I think the stage manager was even scared to get him off. You know, like one of the promoters who we all know had actually said, 
you need to get them on now because otherwise they're not going to start their set. So yeah, after the set, we were kind of pulled aside. Me and Gracie are just in tears, like floods of tears. And they pulled us aside, took us to this separate green room, told everybody out. And they did make space for us to just talk. And we were just heartbroken. And they were like, right, we're going to deal with this. We're going to get a third party to mediate. So that's kind of the route that we went down. And it was very word of mouth. Like our friends knew, the people that we were staying in the hotels with knew. And I think, you know, people were sort of saying, oh, Priya wasn't herself. She didn't look herself. How come Priya started without Gracie? There was questions and people were confused. And through that, I think everybody sort of knew something had gone on. And then we were just kind of told to keep it low key and don't say anything and don't put anything on social media and X, Y, and Z. But after them refusing to mediate, I was like, no, actually, I am going to start talking about it now. I am going to let people know that something happened because it can't just be brushed under the carpet. But I think the most like heartbreaking thing was that people did turn a blind eye to it. Mm. How does that feel to be let down like that? To be completely honest, it was heartbreaking. I like to think that the scene that I'm in is quite supportive. And I mean, I've had some DMs, like people coming forward and being supportive, but I've also had quite a lot of unfollows and I've kind of just learned that not everybody in the scene is your friend. Not everybody has your best interest at heart, but it's made me like really keep the people that care about me close because they are what ultimately got me through all that and here. You know, the amount of times I was calling them up crying for like months after Mm -hmm. just trying to process it. Because when it's like happening to you and you're about to play a big show, there's so many things going on. And not even to mention, like I was in my cultural clothes, which is, you know, you've got layers and layers of fabric. You know, like the the woman from Tom and Jerry, where she's like (laughs) all that fabric. It was like that, like trying to get on and off the stage. So, yeah, not having the support that I thought I would get was heartbreaking, but it's okay because I think the right people are taking the right steps to ensure that this doesn't happen again. Yeah, what what do you think can be done to make sure that this doesn't happen again? So I have actually spoken to the promoters and they have said, you know what, even though one of these people was working the safe space, they weren't trained, they were volunteering and they are going to be hiring people who are actually trained to offer that support and make themselves known like at gigs if you have a problem this is the person you should sort of seek out and go to help for I think as well I flagged you had a mainly femme and queer identifying stage why did you stick a cis man on it you know that was a question that they didn't even consider Mm. that could be a problem so you know I think it's just sort of about being smarter with lineups and really trying to make sure that you can keep those people safe especially if they're like marginalised, they're the ones you need to be protecting. Mm. So just for promoters to kind of wise up a little bit, I think would really help. I think that's, that's a lot of what we found in the report is kind of educating people behind the scenes and your promoters and your people working the doors and in venues. And actually if they were aware of like marginalised people and just educated about it they would be aware from the start to make sure these things don't happen so yeah that's a good point Um, and how do you think this has affected you personally to be completely honest I really lost myself I went into a hole um I just had to have like a constant support like 
I was calling the crisis line three times a week after this happened. I was really, really in a bad way. And I really do thank my friends because I was really scared to reach out to them. And one of my friends said, Pri, I will pick up the phone to you anytime. I'd rather be talking to you than write a eulogy. And she was absolutely right. And that's sort of when it hit me. I have friends and I have people that love me and I'm not as alone as the industry's made me feel. And, you know, that's kind of, yeah, that, that's really how I got through it. Yeah, but so, sorry to hear that, babes. And like, It's okay. I, I'm sort of grateful in a way because I'm a changed person now. I mm. think I was very naive before just because I haven't been in the industry long at all. Four years is still a very short time, but I think it was such a lesson to learn very early in my career. I'm very kind of thankful in a weird way because I did a lot of work that I know is going to protect not only me, but my crowd and other queer people of colour moving forward. So I'm sort of, in a weird way, glad if it happened to anyone, it happened to me. I'm strong enough to get through it and deal with it because I don't want to be losing one of my siblings or something mm. to something similar. Yeah. Do you think it would have happened if you'd been to cis males? Absolutely not. Absolutely not? not. Like, I think this person, he respects males and I know that he just doesn't respect us. I feel like this person only respects men and I just... I, it's not even like I feel like I know if we were two cis men it would not have happened because I, I have seen the way that this person interacts with men in clubs mm. and it's completely different wow I mean one of the points from the report is like repeatedly like I think like every single person we interviewed like refers to the boys club in dance music and I've certainly seen it and felt it kind of what you're describing there would you would you say it's you've you've experienced the boys club yeah absolutely and i think that's why the work that myself and gracie and platforms like the beatriarchy for example is why it's so important but but then it's also like well it's so good us doing it but men need to be doing it as well men need to have these inclusion riders they need to be putting you know non-binary artists forward trans artists forward um because we're only going to get so far doing it by ourselves. If we, if it's falling on like deaf ears, then what is the point? Yeah. But yeah. Priya, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Honestly, like, I just can't even say how much this means. I feel like my shoulders have dropped for the first time in months and I feel like I can breathe and I feel like I can just put it behind me and this horrible nightmare's over. Because it's like, how can I... How can I process this, but not let them get away with it? Like, not let people forget about it. How can I just... And this was just the perfect opportunity, so thank you, oh, honestly. I mean, it's, it's our pleasure. It's really, like... Yeah, it's nice to hear that. And, uh, you know, I, I hope this is helpful for you and also incredible. for people listening as well who can relate or understand what you've been through. So, thank you. Thank honestly. you both of you. Conversations like this are so important to have. It was so brave of Priya to chat to us. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. 
And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When I think about dance music, there are so many women, trans and non-binary people who come to mind. As a teenager, I listened to Annie Mack religiously on Radio 1 and oh, I miss her so much. I was also obsessed with Heidi. She's someone who really inspired me to get into DJing and dance music. And when I went back to back with her two years ago now, it felt like the biggest thing ever. I actually couldn't believe it. During those early years, she made me realise that I could be a DJ too because I saw a woman doing it. I was drawn to that female energy and she would just captivate me and my female friends. She'd be there swooping behind the decks, drinking tequila, doing what Heidi does best. We've actually got a Utopia Talks episode with me and Heidi and I highly recommend you listen to it after this. Like my fun memories of Heidi, I know a lot of you have had similar experiences with seeing your favourite DJs. My name is Nikki O and my pronouns are she, her. One of my favourite DJ sets that I got to experience was Eris Drew at the very first Wigflex City Festival. It was in this tiny venue and it felt so intimate and the mixing was flawless. The selections were insanely good. She just knew exactly what we needed to hear, even if we in the crowd didn't know what we wanted to hear. Hey, I'm Kazali, and I'm a pop singer-songwriter from London. A really special moment for me was when I had the privilege of seeing my friend Jaguar play the Mixed Mag office party in London. It was a really good reminder of the magic that a DJ can create and that feeling of togetherness a whole crowd of people that mostly don't know each other can feel. My name is Jo and my pronouns are she, her. Quite an important set for me was watching Amy Al hand over to Sarah Story at an Elbow show at Drum Sheds in 2021. Seeing two women hand over from one to the other, given the lack of female DJs on lineups there are already, it just felt really special. My name is Samuel Adi and my pronouns are he, him. My favourite DJ is Josie Rebel. I remember one of the first times I saw her play. It was in 2016 and I just arrived at uni. Josie was playing in room two all night and uh, I just remember being at the front and uh, it's all kind of one massive blur of like dancing non-stop. She just plays such a wide variety of stuff and she keeps you on your toes, which is exactly what I look for in a set. I saw Girls Don't Sink at Mayfield Depot in Manchester in March 2022. It was a free International Women's Day event on a Tuesday evening or something like that. The energy they created was incredible. I went up to the DJ booth and just shouted at them, you guys are amazing. And Gaia grabbed my hand and started singing the words to show me love at me. So many people sent us voice notes talking about their favourite DJs. That's just a handful. Jay Ward is another person who comes to mind when I think of an amazing DJ. My name's Jay Ward, W-A-R-D, as in hospital. I'm 54. Pronouns she, they, them, hers. I started DJing back in the 80s prior to everyone discovering acid house but i wasn't playing house and it was like rock and like weird druggy music and indie and 
industrial and other stuff that I was into. I got into it for university and then acid house happened and then that was it then. So I've never stopped. I mean, I'm on the hustle. I've been on the hustle for 35 years. I've got an agent. I do okay, but I'm, I'm hustling for work. And when you're hustling, you have these thing, you know, you're multitasking. You're sort of thinking, right, if I go and hassle this person about what they've done, or will that affect my bookings? What is in calling someone out? Yeah. Okay. And I think that um, what a lot of people want and need is solidarity. Yeah. And now we're starting to get, there is starting to be solidarity, something quite visceral like this report. Mm. Well, is, that's, that's is one deep. of the reasons yeah. we've done it is because the Jaguar Foundation, which is the platform we now have for this report and yeah. we'll do other initiatives, is to support minorities in music. And I think the amount of people who have reached out when we launched this event, singers, producers, DJs, bookers, women and non-binary people, they've said, like, I feel so seen with this report, which I'm so glad about. But the people who I really want to read this report, like the women and non-binary people and trans people, we, we live this, we know this, yeah. but it's the men. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that it can't stop. It needs to be a barrage. You know, you're not going to do it in one go. You got to, it, it has to be like a kind of blanket bombardment. Look, we're not hating on you, but you really need to stop what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, you just need to stop now like, and look at this because this is, this is real. But like, you know, you are seeing a lot more women taking the lead, you know, the hot nights, the hot DJs, the hot, the hot promotion, the hot music that's mm. being made. That's not through men letting women do that. That's literally through women bombarding. And pushing. And pushing. And working and, and ten working times it. harder. And also solidarity again, you know, uh, hooking up. There's lots of women crews now. Yeah. They're not doing it for larks. They're doing it because they have to do it. They have to carve out women's spaces queer spaces we're not taking over but we're definitely taking back and taking over spaces and yeah and i mean you know it, it can't be seen as a as just a blip it has to be it has to become bigger and it has to become stronger as you can hear jay is an incredibly cool person and very wise and yeah they're right there is loads of amazing female collectives at the moment, and perhaps the biggest right now is Girls Don't Sink. Now, if you've ever seen this collective DJ, then you'll know that it is NRG. The winners are G33, Hannah, Matty, Sophia, and as you may know them as Girls Don't Sink. That's the sound of them winning Breakthrough DJ of the Year at the DJ Mag Awards 2022. The next conversation I want you to hear is with G33, aka Gaia. My name is Gaia. I DJ under the name G33. I make up one out of four out of Girls Don't Sink and my pronouns are she, her. Girls Don't Sink happened, um, I would say like smack bang in the midst of like lockdown. I live in Liverpool. I'm originally from London and I started DJing properly, I would say like during that lockdown, just becoming a bit more of like a nerd with it, being a bit more of a fanatic, buying some decks, locking myself in my room every night simply because there was obviously nothing else left to do. 
Girls Don't Sink started as a collective providing workshops for young girls to learn to DJ. They've had a meteoric rise, which has seen them receive hundreds of thousands of views on viral sets, do a huge debut UK tour, and smash it on festival stages up and down the country. But it hasn't always been easy. Being an all-female group operating in a male-dominated space has its challenges. I think that it's so easy to obviously describe some like not so positive instances as like being a negative Nancy and things like that. But I think it's just being realistic. So we'll change negative Nancy to realistic Rachel because this is the reality of, of like what can happen. And it can be something that is can feel or look quite micro that, you know, could come across quite subtle or something that's, you know, could be like, quite hidden and maybe not like an overt act of like aggression or abuse. Um, I think on a spectrum of like, you know, perhaps those little comments and it doesn't even have to be a comment. It can be a look. It can be a general like just energy of like disdain and like disbelief. And it creates such a like profound sense of discomfort as well, like within you, whether that's, you know, you're in the green room and you're waiting to play or like have it like actually being physically on stage and carrying that with you and having to navigate like those emotions, but also feeling like, you know, you've got to give everything to the crowd and play out. And I think there's been loads of situations um, if we're following that spectrum to stuff, you know, feeling quite mundane and everyday things that, you know, I should just brush off compared to, I guess, the other end of the spectrum, which is the actual like physical abuse at a set. And this was actually my first ever DJ set that I did. And I didn't really acknowledge it at the time. I didn't really speak about it, probably out of fear, which makes me feel really embarrassed because if that happened to me now, I would kick off and I would destroy people and I would tear down. <laughs> like I would, I would go on like a spree of just like destruction. Not only if this happened to me, but if this happened to somebody else that like that I knew. And yeah, I think at the time I was just completely shocked and I was actually a bit scared to like have like say something about it, particularly because it was with a promoter that it was like my first ever DJ set and it was warming up for like one of my favorite DJs ever. And I just couldn't believe it. And I was so nervous. And like, I thought this guy like had all the keys to like all the, like all the bookings and all the sets and things like that. And while I was DJing, he put, tried to put his hand down my pants and um, he was really drunk as well, which was quite bizarre. And I don't think he really remembered the next day. So I didn't really want to think about it either. And then after that, it was just like a few inappropriate comments. I felt like his like mannerisms and behaviors towards me was like overly sexual. Um, and I just found it really weird. And I kind of just like justified it with the fact that maybe he was drunk or maybe I was overthinking. And also maybe this is what happens. I've, I don't know anything else. I've never been to a DJ set before. Like maybe this is the protocol for promoters. I don't know. Obviously now I know that it's not. So this happened, yeah, 2020. It's taken me almost like three years to one, acknowledge it properly, but also actually face that person. And I was only kind of prompted to do so because um, he tried to book Girls Don't Sink through our manager and through our agent. And I saw their email app in the CC box. And obviously that then compelled me to tell my team about what had happened. And obviously um, they weren't happy about that. And I think, you know, the person was then probed to kind of have a bit of an investigation on them or, you know, have a conversation about that. Um, and I also plucked up the courage to message them. And I said, I sent them a voice note on Instagram. And I just said, look, obviously it was years ago, but um, I, I can't believe it's taken me this long. Um, and obviously you are completely blissfully unaware. Otherwise, 
this transaction would never even be happening. Um, but I'm glad you did because it's prompted me to finally tell you that what you did to me, and I really hope that you haven't done it to other women, especially other young vulnerable girls, and maybe you would have like capitalized on the fact that it's our first ever set and, you know, kind of taken advantage of them. Um, it was completely inappropriate and it was disgusting and abhorrent and you should be so ashamed. And yeah, two years on, I just want to tell you that if that was to ever have happened again now, I would never have stood for it. And there's such a profound sense of like shame from my part for not doing this sooner. But um, there you go, have that. And his response was just like an AI generated response. Does that make sense? It was like, so sorry you felt that way. Completely understand, like completely get that was not okay, had no idea. Like, and it was just like, there's, I don't know. I don't know. I just think that there's going to be so many instances like that. And obviously that's quite like a heavy one. But I think like I was saying, like on that, on that scale of that spectrum, um, it's gone from the comments to actual like physical, like misconduct. And it's happened again, like for one of the girls um, from Girls Don't Sink at one of our shows in London by a security guard. So the security guard of the venue as we were trying to get back into the backstage green room, which if you're an artist, that's your space, that's your haven, that's your place to breathe, your place to have a shot, your place just to like decompress. And as we were going in, the security guard felt it was appropriate to just reach out and kiss one of us on the lips um, for no, for literal, like literally no reason. Wow. Those are really, um, thank you for sharing those. Like, those are, I'm really sorry that those happened to you. Like, fucking hell. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's mad. But it's just like, it's, it's so everyday for us now. Like, whether it's a comment on TikTok, loads of people have got into the habit, like, overweight, overweight, fat, overweight. Overweight is becoming a big, big buzzword for us on our comments. And I just think it's mad. It's mad. It's so interesting overweight and fat a lot of the time overweight slags like just a lot of that stuff so like again whether it's a comment on tiktok or just i don't even know like even when we're in these spaces like the green room or like on the way to the set it feels like we still have to constantly like apologize and really censor ourselves in terms of like we're so avidly aware and conscious of having these labels like we're the divas, like we're bitches, like we're too much, like we're hard work. Like, so I'm so sorry, like, could I, could we possibly maybe have some ice or like, could we possibly have this or could Sophia get her LucasAid sport? Like, these are all things that we're entitled to ask for, but we're so apprehensive about the way it's delivered and the kind of labels that are going to be put on us. I think that's kind of shifted now. I think we kind of don't care anymore, to be brutally honest. I think this year we're just like, can't be asked. <laughs> so we've become a bit more defiant because it's just like, at what capacity can we continue to apologise for literally existing and coming to do our job? It's so shocking to hear stories like that. People are literally being sexually assaulted when they're just trying to do their jobs. They're at work. But despite the many adversities, Girls Don't Sink are determined to continue creating inclusive dance floors where a lot of people do feel safe to be themselves. There was a girl that I met after one of our sets that actually came over to me and she wrote on her phone so because it was too loud so I couldn't hear and it was actually at another festival so I hadn't I hadn't seen her since our last show that she was at and she just wrote on her phone she's like, I'm sorry it's so loud but um I actually came to one of your girls do sync shows a few months ago and I was going through chemo at the time and I was really really um like hesitant to go out because of like my hair and things like that and my friends really reassured me that like your event was really like going to be very different and it's like 
really like female heavy and nobody's asked and she was just I just wanted to say like thank you for that and I just was completely just astounded because to us it's like we're just having a laugh doing a couple shots and playing some good music that we like but uh, I think when stuff like that happens it's like oh wow actually like it is I always say as well like we're not saving lives like we're not doing anything that revolutionary like sometimes people in our industry particularly within electronic music I think people can take things so so seriously and I think we still are very much in a place where we fundamentally believe that what we're doing is such a luxury and to be able to call this you know our full-time job is so amazing but also like the reality of like actually like maybe we are like impacting people and offering people you know that lightness and that that space to have fun and if we can do that then that's great wow that is such a beautiful story and like so special and there was another time when we were playing at prison as well and there was a person in the front row that was just absolutely going for it like had their top off and i noticed that there was some scarring on their chest just to watch that and like even just to watch them be so free and have so much fun and like not care about like having those scars was one thing and then they actually messaged us after and they said that um that was like the first time they'd been in public um and actually like showing the world like those that scarring and like that part of them and they were Egyptian and it's always been something that um you know struggling with their that their gender identity has always been something that was so um like demonized so for them to come to a space obviously have risen to thank for you know curating and providing that um yeah it was it feels felt very very powerful like to receive that message the next day it's great to hear those stories they really show the power of creating safe spaces i remember playing with peggy goo last summer in london actually and there were so many girls in the crowd at the front absolutely having it two of this Pussycat Dolls edit I was playing but the point is I love seeing women taking up space and having a good time throughout my career I've discovered that my purpose and my passion is not only to unearth new music as a DJ and selector but also to give support to underrepresented people when we analyse data from the official charts company, just 5% of dance songs were made exclusively by women and non-binary artists. On radio, and this breaks my heart, it was just 1%. And regarding electronic festival lineups in 2022, we found that only 28% of the artists were female and non-binary. At larger festivals, that shrunk to just 15%. And how many of those women and non-binary people are the headliners, I hear you ask? Hardly any. Just look at major festival lineups this summer, where big male headliners still dominate. But what we can see is that progress is being made. I asked our interviewees, what's the biggest bit of progress you've seen during your career? Here are some of their answers. I've seen more queer people of colour being booked, which is really really great and I've seen more queer people of colour and trans people and non-binary people start their own promotion companies and collectives and just absolutely smash it and be able to like pack out Colour Factory for example and more people are taking chances trying to book shows trying to promote shows and that's a really really beautiful change those are the nights that I go to and support and yeah just people prioritising mental health that's a really really good thing that I've seen recently. I remember when I first started going clubbing which was like 1997-ish, like I've been around for a while. And I could count the amount of female DJs I knew on my hand. And there are so many more now. So 
the progression that's happened within the last 20 years is huge. So there's been a positive change. There has been progression. It maybe isn't as rapid and as big as we'd like it to be, but it's there and it's happening. We're definitely heading in the right direction and we, sh- we, sh- we should feel positive about that. I can't begin to stress how much digital has changed it. Economically, it's become a, a massive leveller. Vinyl's expensive. Vinyl cut out lots of people. That has completely changed. You know, this young person that's only been at it 10 minutes can do a wicked set and you're like, yeah, you should do this. Now, they might not have been able to do that if it meant them having to shell out a grand for a load of records. When you see women DJs, lots of them are digital. Yeah. Because that's how they've been able to get access. And it's great. The stories you've heard today are a vital part of creating change. We want to see dance floors where everybody feels safe, where people aren't assaulted in their workplace, where people are booked and respected regardless of their gender. Next time, we're going to hear from Annie Mack, Salute, Talia, The Blessed Madonna and many more. If you want to read the reports, please visit thejaguarfoundation.net and you can find me on Instagram at Jaguar Worldwide. And huge shout out to my producer, Katie Baxter, the baddest of them all, and to Stack for producing this podcast. Utopia Talks is a Stack production and part of the Acast Creator Network. 